change the culture of any size of organization is quite realistic. But it starts with strong and sustained leadership, rippling out from the senior leadership team. After all, taking responsibility is the highest mark of great leaders. Today, we are going to be diving into the struggles of developing a company culture with a guest who can give us more of a global view on this topic. Welcome to the 90th Percentile, an unconventional leadership podcast by Zanger Folkman. Each week, using research from over 1.5 million global assessments of leaders, we analyze different leadership traits, trends, and what it really takes for leaders to get to the 90th percentile. I'm Brianna O'Corin, and joining me today to talk about leadership and leading cultural change is Zanger Folkman's strategic partner in Canada, leadership development expert and founder of the Clemmer Group, Jim Clemmer. Jim, it's a pleasure to have you with me today. Uh, Jim is the founder of the Clemmer Group, which is a leadership development firm in Canada. And for our listeners, I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about yourself and why you devoted your career to developing leaders. Mm. Well, yeah, it's actually gone back quite a long way. Actually, Jack Zinger and I first uh, started working together quite a number of years ago when he had Zinger Miller. And I was uh, co-founder of a company in Canada called the Achieve Group. And so we were the Canadian partner for Zenger Miller. I had always had a lot of interest in strength-based approaches and didn't really have any sort of methods or approaches other than just the philosophy. Mm-hmm. And so when Jack and I reconnected well, almost 10 years ago now, and he kind of updated me on what he and Joe had been doing and the work that was going on with Extraordinary Leader and so on. And the deeper I looked at it, the more excited I got about it all. And it it really fit very well with the work I've been doing over the years around culture development, uh, leadership, effectiveness, coaching, etc. So it all fit very well. And it's been a great partnership for almost 10 years now. I'm wondering, Jim, if you could tell us about kind of the leadership trends that you've seen emerging mm-hmm after this year. And, and also Jim is located in Canada of of how, what you have experienced and seen and what do you see is coming up next in leadership? Yeah. Well, I think the big one uh, this year certainly is around resilience and a term that I love that comes out of positive psychology, which I'll talk a little bit more about as well, post-traumatic growth. So how we can take traumatic events and use them as opportunities for growth. And, and I think that's a really important leadership skill set, challenge, et cetera. And I've kind of envisioned a, a series of rings. So at the center is the leader uh, being able to practice resilience, be resilient, use this traumatic events of the last year or two, which of course have ranged quite broadly. Some have had a lot more trauma than others. Yeah. And uh And using that or being able to personally grow and then being able to ripple out to the next level in terms of leadership, coaching, developing others and helping kind of tuning into where others are at. And then I think the next ring that becomes really important is culture development, which is an area we've, but as well, just looking at are we building resilient cultures, cultures that can adapt to change. Uh, the, the key word seems to be these days pivot. 
of cultures that can pivot and change. Um, and this is certainly, this last year has been a time when the resilience of cultures has been put to the test and some have done extraordinarily well and others have had major struggles and, and big problems. Yeah. So that's kind of the, the overall trends that I see. And then you asked about Canada. Well, here's why I'm being Canadian, I have to apologize and say that uh, we're not very good at managing conflict here in Canada. I would say that the one area that tends to score a little lower is around conflict management, which always seems to kind of pull down the uh, teamwork collaboration competency. And so one of the, um, the approaches that I've used for many, many years, actually wrote a book with this title is Moose on the Table, which is uh, similar to the idea of elephant in the room or 800 pound gorilla or whatever your favorite creature is. But the basic idea is sometimes at the roots of it, we're just too polite to each other. We're just not, we're not putting the issues out there. And for a variety of reasons, uh, partly it's a skill issue, partly it's a culture issue, but uh, I know it's not unique to Canada, but it is something <laughs> that Canada has, I think Canadians tend to struggle with maybe even a little more than other cultures. Interesting. So they're not just saying whatever they want to say off the top of their mind. <laughs> they, they hold it in more. Yeah. Well, my previous consulting company that I mentioned, the Achieve Group, this was a problem we often had was that we were just being so sensitive to each other, so oh. caring for each other. So, And so if there was an issue or a problem, we weren't always very good at giving feedback or addressing that. I always find it really fascinating the effect that geography and culture it has on approaches to leadership. Um, I recently read an article and I love your, your headlines to your articles, but this one was, is your team coaching up a cultural hairball? <laughs> and we know it's possible for organizations to look inward and change their cultures. And I think after this last year, a lot of people are, there are a lot of conversations happening about diversity and, mm. you know, e equal pay and these type of things. And I'm wondering if you could expand a little bit more about the five steps that you mentioned in that article about helping your team to make these big cultural shifts right. and have right. these conversations that are hard. Yeah, and the title of that article came from uh, someone who was giving kind of a cynical view of culture change and basically saying a lot of managers circle the cultural hairball and it's so tangled <laughs> up that they really can't pull it apart and don't even bother. So the five steps are really starting, first of all, with where are, is your culture currently at? Because there's an awful lot of leaders that confuse their desired culture with their actual culture. And they probably and don't realize what their culture is until they get right, back from others. Right, they think exactly. it's great, but it might not be. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so having some way of getting a good gauge of what your culture truly is. Now, of course, the, the 360 feedback of Zenger Folkman and aggregated data and all that sort of thing can be a part of that. It's just to get a sense of where are, is our culture now, truly? 
And then the second step is really that, that desired culture step where the leadership team really articulates and clarifies or maybe revises or reclarifies what is it we want to be and where do we want to go? What do we, what do we want to anchor our culture around and, uh, and who are we? And that's the strategy session. Yeah. So I think of it as a culture strategy. And then to to kind of say, all right, so here's where we are now. Here's where we want to get to. So there's some kind of gap there. Now, hopefully it's not a huge gap, but some organizations, many organizations, it is a pretty big gap. So the next step is, well, now how do we close that gap to some extent? We're never going to totally get into alignment. So part of that is to then step back and say, all right, what are, what are our current systems, projects, processes, things that we're currently doing that are aligned or misaligned, and many are quite misaligned, with who we say we want to be? For example, very, a lot of organizations are excellent at adding new things on to-do lists, coming up with new projects, new ideas, but are horrible at killing stuff. As a gardener, I love the analogy of pruning. Uh, so I said, I love that you said prune in there. I thought that was great. Yeah, because we know that in the garden, that one of the most important activities is to get rid of old growth, dead, deadheading flowers and so on, because that makes room for new growth. And many leaders do a horrible job of that. They just keep piling more and more and more on top and not getting rid of stuff. And so then it gets confusing and the organization just starts to get jammed up. It's just too much. So then the fourth step is around how it kind of continues that, but it's around putting strategies and plans together. There's a term we use a lot is strategic imperatives. It's saying we need to be able to boil this down to three or four of the most absolute strategic must-dos for the next six to 12 months if we're going to make any of this happen. And then the the fifth step is more of the uh, closing the loop. It's the ongoing feedback, monitoring. the follow-up. Follow-up, (laughs) follow-through. Everyone's favorite. Yeah, all that boring stuff that that becomes incredibly critical if this is going to have any uh, sustained momentum. Oh, I just thought all of those steps, and I, I love that there's strategy was mentioned twice, that there's the strategy of who you want to be and then the strategy of how you're going to do it. Now, you had actually done um, a lot of work in the mining industry. So I'm wondering right. if you had any unique experiences or challenges from working with those two industries in developing leaders. Right. Yeah, the mining industry particularly, we have done a tremendous amount of culture development work in over the years. Uh, Most of it can be traced back to uh, the largest gold mine. Well, it was. I'm not sure quite it's anymore. But we partnered with their internal health and safety vice president years ago. And uh, they were able to reduce their health and safety fatalities as well as uh, injuries by about 60% over three years. It was quite substantial. Wow. And they became a bit of a benchmark in the mining industry. And that then led to many other mining companies that we, we worked with. And so safety is one of the major issues in mining. 
as it is in much of construction or many, many heavy industries, utilities and so on. And uh, in the mining industry particularly, their safety record has not been great. Or there's been, a, there's been some companies like Barrick, Newmont, a few others that are, are very good and have very good safety records. But then there are a large number of companies that uh, are still killing people and, uh, and seriously injuring people. And so a lot of what we've just talked about around culture, culture development, uh, leadership, what becomes especially important and what Barrick did so well is cascading from their senior leaders right down through the organization so that they were modeling. There was a term that, that they used a lot, visible felt leadership that uh, senior leaders needed to absolutely model safety, safety focus, safety culture, because the, the push and pull always be in, in any kind of culture safety, particularly uh, culture work, is between production and safety. And it's often seen as a dichotomy. And which do you want? Do you want higher production or do you want safe production? It isn't either or that the best leaders do both, are able to integrate and produce safe production. Because of course, in the end, what makes for a high performance culture? It's a culture where processes are under control, where leadership is strong, where people respect and care for each other, look out for each other, values are, all of that makes for a high performance culture with high productivity and with high safety. Wow, that is really telling how much the culture of that industry affects people's lives on the job. Now, Jim, in your years of experience, what is a key leadership lesson that you believe applies to every person, regardless of industry or geography? Uh, yeah, I, th I think there are three key questions. And there are no particular order, but I think they're really, really at the core, at the center of what leadership, personal growth, personal development, culture development is. And the first question is, where are you going? Now, that can be called vision. It can be called all sorts of things. I've been in far, far too many vernacular engineering debates with leadership <laughs> teams about what you call all the labels you put on all this stuff. Second one is, what do we believe in? So what are our core and getting them down to three or four seems to be the major challenge. And then the third could be the first is why do we exist? What's our purpose, our reason for being together? So where are we going? What do we believe in? Why do we, do we or I exist? I think are the, the central parts of what good leadership is. Powerful questions that sometimes I think people are scared to answer, but really yeah. helps guide them. Yeah. Do you have a favorite leadership quote or book that inspires you that you would recommend to others? One of my absolute favorite fields of study that uh, and, and authors is in the whole area of positive psychology. And Martin Seligman of the University of Pennsylvania has written a long, uh, quite a number of books, what's well, called Learned Optimism. And to me, that gets at the heart, come back to those three key questions, it gets at the heart of what are, what are highly effective leaders? Highly effective leaders inspire people, oftentimes with a sense of hopefulness and possibility. So the one quote, since you asked me for a quote, 
would be uh, the Napoleon Bonaparte tweet quote saying, leaders are dealers in hope. I think mm. that's a powerful, powerful quote that leaders help people feel hopeful, help people see possibilities, what could be, which of course links to optimism, which is all about positive psychology. And at the root of positive psychology is strength building, which is what circled me all the way back to connecting with Jack to say, what have you got that can help with building strengths? And that's how we ended up as partners of Zinger Falcon. Well, thank you, Jim. You've certainly given me a lot to think about from this conversation today. So we appreciate you coming on and sharing your wisdom and take care. Delighted to, to be here. Thanks. The 90th Percentile, an unconventional leadership podcast, was recorded by Brianna Corin and Jim Clemmer, with music by Pleasant Pictures and produced by Zanger Folkman. If you're interested in learning more about Zanger Folkman's award-winning 360-degree assessments, leadership and coaching offerings, or would like to attend our monthly leadership webinar series hosted by Jack Zanger and Joe Folkman, visit our website at zangerfolkman.com. If you liked our podcast, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher and leave us a review. All resources and links to the research referenced in this episode can be found in our episode details or on our podcast page on sangerfolkman.com.